We're here today with Keith Ferguson, designer of Santa's Workshop. Welcome to Design Diary, the podcast where you get to look inside my board game design notebook as well as what's going on inside my head. We look at a new word each day from the sense of mechanics, tone, theme, or inspiration for a full game. Today's word is... Anachronism. An error in chronology, especially a chronological misplacing of a person, place, uh, person events, or customs in regard to each other. A person or thing that is chronologically out of place, especially one from a former age that is incongruous in the present. uh, Or the state of condition of being chronologically, chronologically out of order or out of place. That was a hard one to spit out. I assume it's just as hard to design. So let's hear what you got. So I thought about this for a little while and I was thinking of time travel games and I know there's a couple of those, there's time stories and some other time, time travel games. Um, but, but then I thought about, uh, a short story that I read way back in high school, which was longer ago than I care to admit. Speaking of <laughs> anachronisms, uh, an old Mark Twain story called a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Okay. So I thought that might be a cool theme, and in fact, uh, to get uh, to get away from just this particular word for a second, I, I was thinking Mark Twain works must be in the public domain at this point, and they are. Oh, nice. And I, and I was wondering if many people had designed games around those, and I couldn't find any, but I did find in Board Game Geek, I know I'm going on a little tangent there, that there is a game in there from 1861, or no, 1891, designed by Mark Twain. Are you serious? I am serious. What Mark is it called? Twain, Mark Twain's Memory Builder. Um, a game designed to help players retain important dates and facts from throughout history. Points are awarded by what type of fact is given and so on. So this is a, <laughs> this is a game wow. designed by Mark Twain. So that's where my path led me when, when you gave me anachronism. Um, so, this, so what you need to do is just release this today and it – is an anachronism. It's a game from 1891. Well, that's exactly right. And I, oh. I did, like I said, I didn't find much else with Mark. Like I looked up, you know, Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer, and there are games based on them, but they're from like the 1930s. And so I'm sure they're awful by today's standards. But um, yeah, it was sort of an interesting little path that I went down. That's pretty um, cool. I'm yeah. looking at that memory builder now, and it's just, it's like a, like a, like a ballot card almost. Right, yeah, the one picture they have of it, right? And there's zero ratings and zero comments. But <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. That's a, I love thinking about weird formats of games. And, uh, you know, we do the wallet games. I was just talking to uh, somebody who designed one of the Nestor games, which are like on little mouse pads. But ballot games where you sit here and like punch with a hole punch. And it's. Yeah. Likely only playable once unless it's a legacy. It's the, uh, the new roll and write. You just pack <laughs> yeah. it with a pad, right? Pack oh, it with a pad full of things. That's amazing. <laughs> so I thought about this a little bit, and what I came up with was, and it was just very just general and basic, but think about it as like a deck of playing cards, and one of them is removed. And that one being removed is the, the person or thing that was removed from its time and brought to another time. And could be one of those things where the card is hidden and everyone's trying to kind of work around the deck and kind of figure out what it is through deduction. But I thought about even better was just like, you have to use the deck to bring that one back and then you kind of win the game once that, you know, card Mm. is saved and brought back in. And I have no idea how it would work or anything like that. But the idea I had was that if it was a full deck of, you know, 50 cards or 60, 70 cards, 
it's different every time because of the way that one behaves outside of its timeline. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, that's basically as far it, as I got. It being so, I'm thinking that would almost be the reverse. So, there's a ton of games, right, where you get combos, you get uh, card A and card B, and you put them together and they do some effect. But this might be one where you pull a card out, and the fact that it's missing affects how all the other cards work. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. And and then somehow you, you know going on your theme, you have to get it rescue that card or however you want to phrase it. Yeah, I mean everything can have a, some sort of behavior based off of what's what's missing. I mean, I guess it's hard to do that for a full deck of cards like uniquely, but if it has a certain suit, for example, like they all behave a certain way and right. You know, there could be another wrinkle to it that takes it to a more, you know, detailed level and complex level than just the suit. Sure. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I got and That's neat. I wanted to I, those games where you're just trying trying to figure out what it is. I wanted that second part of not only do you figure out what it is, then you got to figure out how to bring it back based off of what you know, what card and what type it was. Now, do you think this is a cooperative, or are you are you trying to be the the person that gets the card back? Oh, that's interesting. Like you're all um, racing to, to be the first one to get the card back. See, I've been exploring this really dumb idea of cooperative then competitive games, or yeah. competitive then cooperative. So it's like. Uh, com- competitively you're trying to find it and then cooperatively you're trying to return it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't, are there, do you know of any games that do that? I mean, I just, I've uh, been like thinking about it every day lately. I don't know in quite that order. I know, uh, you know, I hate to give him any credit here, but TC Petty's uh, Viva <laughs> Viva Java, right? Is a, Oh, it's all over every, the place. Yeah. Every, every round you team up with uh, one, some of the other players and you're cooperative for that round. Uh, but it, overall, it's a competitive game. Yeah, that's only, a lot more fluid in the way it goes. You know, it kind of goes from cooperative to competitive, at least in the different phases and all. Right. That's neat. I get stuck on this. Well, it has to be one way, and then stop, and then switch, which is probably right. not the best. It's an itch. Yeah, I can't think of anything that does that. So it, uh, it could be could be new and unique. Yeah. Which, as as we find out when we're pitching games to publishers, they're they're looking for new and unique ideas. So there you go. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I want to go back real quick because I did think a little bit more about specifically the the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Um, I, I did. It's been you know years since I've read the story, but I brushed up on on good old Wikipedia. And for those that aren't familiar with the story. Uh, it's set well in the late 1800s when Mark Twain was alive. So in his his modern era, there was a, a Connecticut guy who got bonked on the head or something, and he woke up in King Arthur's court. And so he lived uh, many years in, back then, and his whole thing was he could bring modern technology, knew how to create modern technology, and solve problems for King Arthur, and sort of became King Arthur's right-hand guy, much to the consternation of many of the knights of the round table in Merlin. So they were out to get him, so to speak, and and cause his downfall. Uh, And eventually he, what what happened? He, Merlin ended up casting a spell on him that put him to sleep for 1300 years. And he woke back up in Connecticut, I guess. Um, So my idea was this would be an asymmetric game. uh, One versus three or however many players are. I didn't really think about how many of the total players were. One person is the, and I forget his name. I guess I should go back and look. The the Connecticut Yankee. The Connecticut Yankee. Uh, He has a name. He has a name. 
Uh, I can't find it right now. Oh, Hank. Hank is his name. Okay. Uh, so one person would be Hank, and that person would have access to modern, quote-unquote, technology. I don't know if you'd want to, still want to set call modern being the late 1800s. <laughs> and then the other players are working together. Maybe I hadn't really thought this through to, uh, you know, bring down Hank and and they're all knights of the round table or maybe one person's Merlin. Maybe it's all asymmetric and Merlin has certain powers. The other knights have different powers, um, but they're working together to bring down Hank because he's got such an advantage with modern technology. Uh, so that's sort of <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by like how modern technology would work in an old time because with things like batteries, eventually they're going to run out. So well, there's a remember, timer. What, what was it? I was just say, remember, he, his modern is still like 1880. So yeah, he had he, batteries, but he had he's gun, got a gun, he figured out gunpowder like, yeah, exactly. and all that kind of stuff. But if he runs out of gunpowder, you know. Yeah, the wiki article didn't go into a whole lot. I mean, he basically he he helped cure people because he had some knowledge of medicine, and That's so he great. gained support of a lot of the common people, and then he put them to work in. Essentially, what I think was 1880s style factories. You know, he had the production lines going. I, I'm sure the it's story just, went into much more detail. The wiki article sort of just uh, glosses <laughs> over it. Um, yeah, it says he he fortified himself with minefield, oh, electric wire, and Gatling gun. So he did. He, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure how much detail Mark Twain went into, but so anyway, spoilers. Does he does he survive it? Yeah, spoiler alert for a 140-year-old story is, well, yeah, he, uh, he, gets, he gets trapped in a cave, he's stabbed, but then uh, he's not seriously wounded, but then Merlin finds him and casts a spell over him, putting him to sleep for 1,300 years, so he wakes back up back in 1880s or 1890s Connecticut, I so guess. I guess it's different when you have a magician back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that does change, change things a little bit. Yep. So I don't know. That was my rough idea. One one person's uh, very asymmetric than the other three. Yeah. And I don't know if I don't know. I really didn't think it through too much. Is it just Hank wins, or the other three win, or do the other three? Is there Compete a you know, well. f- f- first amongst equals there? You know, they win, but one of them really wins. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, that's, but that's that's really what I thought of, and then it led me down the whole Mark Twain path, <laughs> and found that ballot. Yeah, of found the game. that found that ballot game, and I figure you know there's probably lots of Mark Twain stories that are public domain that people could run with. That's cool. That's really I, I love finding those like old stories that are just they're unmatched. Like there's nothing like that right now. So and, right, and then yep. just running with it, it's fun, and it's yep. public domain, so you don't even have to like be inspired by it you can simply just use it yep yep i'm actually uh, a new design i'm working on right now i went to the old public domain i'm trying to trying to work on that so that's fun that's one of the i was going to do a con a public domain contest where you had to use like public domain art and and some other you know yeah. public domain stories and things like that but i never wound up doing it <laughs> well you know so uh, too many ideas too little time right exactly that's that should be the name of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I want to speaking of names, this is I was told to bring this up. Uh-oh. Um and I was told to call you Kurt <laughs> um <laughs> through uh Ben Beagle. And I was just like, you gotta explain to me why, because I know I heard this and uh I didn't recall why. So I want you to tell people why. All right, sure. I'm sorry if this uh, is if this is uh <laughs> um 
you know, bringing up bad memories. Oh yeah, no, it's I'm sorry, I'm leaving the podcast. Goodbye. Uh, no, no, no. See you, Kurt. No, it's it's a funny, uh, it's a funny story. So I had, let's see, it's June now, 2018. If anybody's listening in the far future, so my first game, Santa's Workshop, was released uh, about six months ago in December of 2017, and it got, it was getting uh, some good reviews. Uh, one reviewer uh, had an online reviewer who was it? Uh, I'm blanking on who it was, but anyway, he in the article. Oh, the opinionated gamer. And I don't oh, yeah, remember yeah. his name. Um, but he had a nice, a fairly decent review of the game. But at the beginning, he said Santa's Workshop by Kurt Ferguson. And so I just tweeted at him and I said, hey, appreciate the, the nice review. Um, just one note. My name's Keith, not Kurt. And he responded and said, oh, you know, my apologies. I'll, I'll change it. And he, he did. However, much to my ongoing consternation, one Matt Riddle saw this <laughs> and said, just responded, Nobody cares, Kurt. Oh, man. So from then on, (laughs) all of Riddle's tweets to me are Kurt, you know, Kurt this, Kurt that, uh, and other people have picked up on it to the point that I showed up at Ben, Ben Beagle ran an unpub mini about a month ago up in Pennsylvania. So I went by, he had little name placards on all the tables and sure enough, mine said Kurt. Oh (laughs) my God. So, no, it's fun. And, uh, Matt's a great guy. So we had fun with him. Um, so yeah, that's, but it's getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a cult following now. <laughs> I think I, I told him a week or two ago that I will, I'm, I'm almost disappointed if I'm not referred to by Kurt, uh, you know, by Matt and a few others. Oh, that's so good. So there's, there's two things I thought about that. One is just the, the lesson learned is just that if you don't bring attention to it, nobody else will ever notice. Maybe I should but, have emailed uh, instead of done it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But the second is that we all need to gang up and get Matt Riddle back somehow. So, well, I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I, I have uh, published one of his games and I can misspell his name on a reprint. If, if, if that'll help. <laughs> Perfect. I'll come uh, up with something. <laughs> Matt fiddle, you know, it's just, it's, it, the yeah. R didn't work properly. It just, it didn't print the whole R. So. Yeah. The font was, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, it's all riddles. Fonts. That's awesome. All right. Well, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. Uh, so probably the two best ways are well, well, our Twitter, as you just heard it on there. I am Hokie Stone, one word, uh, just in case anybody's wondering about that. I graduated from Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech Hokies. So Hokie Stone is my name on Twitter and on Board Game Geek. Uh, very boring. I'm just KT Ferguson on Board Game Geek. So <laughs> Just Kurt without I, the UR. That's right. That's right. Um, so those are, those are the two best ways, I think. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, and we'll do this again. Yep, thank you.